Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And guys, it's Thursday. Uh, Eternals is opening up. We're going to be talking about Eternals here in just a second. Uh, I'm going out to see it for my third screening tonight. Is it my third one? Two? No, I'm going out for my fourth screening tonight. That's right. I'm heading out to go see it for the fourth time tonight. Uh, I like this movie. It's not going to be for everybody, but I like this movie. Going to go with Anne. Anne is back, so I'm in a good mood. Anne has, of course, been up in Cupertino at Apple headquarters there for a few days, but she's back now. Anne being back always puts me in a good mood, and I hope you guys are in a good mood today. To, and it is awesome to have you here. Now, here's how today's show is going to go, guys. We break the show into two parts. In the first half of the show, we take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. If you want to get a live comment or question right on the show or an upcoming companion video, simply use the tip link down in the description of, this, of the video below, or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on our show if, of course, we consider it appropriate for our show. And of course, and most importantly, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time. And all of us involved here at the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Also going to let you guys know, for those of you watching live, we tried a little experiment yesterday, and a lot of you guys seem to like it, so we're going to do it again today. Whereas, as we're doing the show today, if you have an observation or a comment to be made about one of the topics or things that we're talking about, and you'd like me to read it out at the end of the main topics, you can use the Super Chat feature in YouTube. Now, let me stress again, that's not to submit a question. Don't use the Super Chat feature to submit a question. Just if you have an observation or a point or a comment that you would like to raise about something that we're talking about here today, and then when we get to the end of the main topics, I'll read those off, and I've already seen a bunch of you guys have sent some in already, so we'll get to that just a little bit later. Okay, guys, with that down, let's do a couple of off-the-tops here, shall we? And the first off the top we're going to do is this. Now, we were just talking about how Eternals is opening today. It is Eternals Day. It is now opening around, and, you know, it is still a positively review. We talked yesterday on the show that Eternals might end up being the first negatively reviewed uh, MCU movie. Now, as of right now, it's still over the 50% mark, 52 53%, something like that. So it's still a positively reviewed movie. For now, uh, we talked yesterday how it could become the first MCU movie to drop below that. But, the, of course, the audience scores haven't come out yet. I'm very curious to see what the audience scores are. I don't know what they're going to be. Like, I, I mentioned this yesterday, but when I came out of Shang-Chi, I was like, everybody's going to love this. I mean, obviously not everybody, but, like, everybody's going to love this. This movie's awesome. Can't wait for everybody to see it, right? I came out of Eternals being like, I really like it. I, but but it's so different. I don't know how everybody else is going to respond. And we're certainly seeing that in the critic reviews, right? It's very divided, the critic reviews. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I can see Eternals getting a 90% audience rating. I can always, I could see Eternals getting a 60 or 55% audience rating. I mean, I, honest, I won't be surprised about either. So it'll be interesting to see. But these questions have led us to another question. How will this affect the box office? With, you know, the mixed reviews out there, is that going to hurt the box office when it comes to Eternals? And that's been a decent question. And we're going to find out more this weekend, but we've got our first little taste of numbers. The folks over at Variety are pointing out and uh, are now reporting that 
the box office, Eternals has launched in a few uh, territories already. And in those territories that it's now already opened, it's actually pacing ahead of both Black Widow and Shang-Chi. Now, let's take a look to see what the uh, uh, Variety article says here. They say, Marvel's Eternals has already touched down in several international markets, generating $7.6 million on opening day. The comic book adaptation starring Gemma Chan, who, she's awesome. I love her. I'm, I'm liking her more and more all the time. Um, Richard Madden, Kamel Nagiani, Salma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie debuts in North America and most major movie-going markets on Friday. Through the weekend, Eternals is expected to dominate over global box office charts with the projections of it bringing in 75 to $80 million. For the record, I actually think it's going to be a little bit lower than that. I actually think it's going to be a little bit lower than 75 to 80, but we'll we'll see how it does. Anyway, um, it is projected at the global box office charts with projections of it bringing in 75 million to 80 million in the U.S. and Canada with another 55 million overseas. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So far, mediocre reviews do not appear to be slowing down the latest installment of the Disney Marvel Cinematic Universe. Eternals had the strongest start in Korea with 2.6 million, followed by France with 1.6 million, Italy with 700,000, Viva Italia, by the way, Forza Italia, uh, and Taiwan with 600,000. Disney estimates that Eternals is pacing, get this, 85% ahead of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which opened $56 million internationally, 20% ahead of Black Widow, which opened to $78 million internationally at the same time in similar territories. Okay, so, in the question that's been coming around about how will these mediocre reviews, very divided. Some people really like it, some people don't, a lot of people middling on it. I mean, who knows where this thing's going to end up. How will this thing affect the box office? Is this going to affect average filmgoers in their desire to go out and see it. I don't really think it will. Now, what will affect it is word of mouth. What will affect it is word of mouth. So we'll see that after the first weekend. Like once the audiences start to see it, if the audiences don't like it, that could have a real um, overwhelmingly negative effect on the box office moving forward. But I don't think it's going to have, I don't think the mediocre reviews are going to have a terrible impact on the opening weekend of this thing. Average filmgoers trust MCU movies. I think they're going to go out and give it a shot. Whether they're happy they gave it a shot or upset they gave it a shot, that's going to be yet to be seen. So we'll see We'll see how that goes. But it is interesting to say that right now they're projecting it's pacing about 85% ahead internationally, not North American-wise. And by the way, it's important to keep in mind that just because a movie is doing well in international markets, that does not equal a direct correlation to how well it's going to do in the North American market. We've seen a lot of movies where how it performs domestically versus internationally can be very, very different from each other. So just because they're saying it's pacing ahead of those other movies internationally and in some international markets, that does not necessarily mean it's going to do that once it starts opening up here tonight in North America. So just keep that in mind. But it's going to be interesting to see. And you know what? I think for fun, I'm going to ask you. We're going to make a poll here. For those of you watching live, uh, how big uh, will Eternals opening weekend box office be? And we're going to give you a couple of options. We're going to go 0 to 50 million, uh, 51 million to 75 million, or 76 million plus so i put that for those of you watching live right now in the live uh chat you should see a poll pop up there and i'm asking you guys how big 
do you think Eternals opening weekend is going to be? I'm going to be interesting to see what you guys have to say about that. For those of you not watching live, what do you think about this? Right now, there it's looking like, at least internationally, that the mediocre reviews are not having an impact on the business that Eternals is going to do. Will that be the same in North America? Maybe yes, maybe no. How big do you think it's going to open up this weekend? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. And by the way, we already have over 400 votes in. About now 500 votes have come in. Uh, 16% of you think it's going to make under $50 million. Uh, 27% of you think it's going to make over $76 million. And 57% of you kind of fall where I'm personally falling, which is 51 to $75 million. That's kind of where I'm guessing too. So, But I'm going to leave the poll up for a few more minutes, see what you guys say. Anyway, guys, whatever you think, jump into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's jump into one more off the top here, shall we? And that one more off the top is this. One of my favorite films uh, of at least really super pleasantly surprised films that I just really adored that had a lot of charm and fun and excitement to it and was a damn good story to boot was Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. I adored that movie. I mean, it was an Edgar Wright film, so I was expecting it to be good. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. Like, we had never seen Edgar Wright do, up until that point, we had never seen Edgar Wright do that kind of a film. Never seen him do that kind of a film. And it was very different for him, and I walked out, big grin on my face. The action was exciting. The car chases were great. The characters were enjoyable. The dialogue was solid. All that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where I walked out really happy. And ever since then, have been really, really excited about the idea of getting a sequel to it. And then, you know, years ago, Edgar Wright said, you know what, we're going to do a sequel. I'm going to write a sequel and all this kind of stuff. But we've been waiting. Of course, Last Night in Soho is now out and people are loving it. He's talked about some other things. But where's Baby Driver been? Well, he's talked about it recently. And and now it's kind of sound like he's not going to do a Baby Driver 2. Like, it sounds like there's still going to be a Baby Driver 2. I'll go out on a limb and guess that Kevin Spacey's not going to be in it for several reasons. But uh, it sounds like there's still going to be one. It's just that he's not sure he's actually going to direct it now. Now, this comes to us from an interview that he did. He said, if I did the sequel, and in fact, he qualifies this, in fact, I've already written a script... I'd have to find a way to make it fun for me. The idea of doing a straight Xerox is just not interesting because, as you know, these films take at least two years in our case because of the pandemic. They took even longer. My rule of thumb is you have to really want to do it. We've both been in situations where we have walked away from a studio franchise because we weren't feeling it. I know that we share many of these things in common, and that's one of them. So, So as of right now, where does this leave us right now? This leaves us knowing two things. Uh, one, that the script for Baby Driver 2 is already written. Great. That's done. That's in the can. That's ready to go. Yes. But now Edgar Wright's saying, I don't know if I want to do another Baby Driver. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It completely breaks my heart. Now, look, I'm not saying another director can't step in there and do an excellent job. Obviously, they can. Another director, may, hell, maybe he could even come in and do a better job with it than Edgar Wright did. You never know. It could happen. But 
as a guy who's just a fan of Edgar Wright's voice and the way that voice played out on screen in the first Baby Driver, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed. I'm a little bit upset. It kind of hurts my little movie-loving feelings. I'm a little sad. Uh, I really want to. I really want to see Edgar Wright do a Baby Driver too. But it sounds like maybe he has other plans and other things he wants to do. And whatever those are, God bless him. Question is for you guys: What did you think about Baby Driver? Have you been like me, where you've been looking forward to another one? Are you already forgotten about the original one? Do you not care about a sequel? Do you not care if somebody else directs it? Are you only interested if Edgar Wright directs it? Whatever you guys are feeling, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, before we get into our main topics here, I want to thank the people who are bringing today's episode of the John Campia Show to you, and that is the good folks over at Get Upside. Now, you guys have heard me talking about Get Upside for the last couple of days. I really enjoy this app, and there's not a lot of them that I do. The basic idea of Get Upside is this. You simply get your phone, you download and install the Get Upside app. There is no catch. And I was very pleasantly surprised when I tried it out for the first time to see, okay, what's the catch? They, they require this from you. You got to give them this. They take this much. No, no, no. It is simply a straight up cash back app. You go to a gas station, check in, and you can get up to 25 cents per gallon that you put in. And here's something really neat. If you install the app and then use the promo code in it, Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, right where it asks for a promo code, you can get from 25 cents up to 50 cents per gallon when you go and use it. And by the way, it's not just for gas stations. There are other businesses that use it too. When I opened it up and looked at different places I could check in, it was crazy to see just how many places there were. So listen, it's super easy to use. There's no catch. And when they pay you out, you get to pick how you want to be paid out. They can transfer it directly to your bank account. They can directly transfer it to your PayPal account. Or if you're somebody who likes using Amazon or other online shops, they can actually pay you in the form of an electronic gift card to use it places like that. It's absolutely great. So guys, go on over to Get Upside and uh, the website is getupside.com. Download the app on either iOS or Android. It's there for both. Download the app for free and earn up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank when you use the promo code Campia. And once again, we want to thank the folks over at GetUpside for being part of our show today. And a big thank you to all you guys who have already uh, downloaded and installed the app. And uh, thank you guys for using that. All right. With that down, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campia Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel needs to be covered as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or questions. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. So for now, let's get to main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Chase Lee, who writes, Hey John, we've been getting more updates on the upcoming live-action Avatar series and even got the reveals for the casting of Team Avatar. You guys, of course, remember that. we They announced the kids are going to be playing the main roles there. But did you see the reports that Daniel Day Kim, I really like Daniel Day Kim a lot, uh, has just been cast as Fire Lord Ozai. I personally think it's a great casting choice. 
thanks and what are your thoughts all right thanks a lot for sending that in man and yeah listen this whole avatar the last airbender live action series has been going through a lot of ups and downs right now like a lot of ups and downs in the sense that as far as how the public is perceiving it like when they announced they were going to be doing one everybody got to get really excited right everybody got hugely pumped but then when they announced that like the original creators of the show were no longer going to be working on it, it cast a little bit of a wet blanket on it, if you will. Some people got disappointed by it. Here's my take on this. Other than maybe HBO Max and HBO proper in and of itself, nobody does original series better than Netflix. Other than HBO, HBO is still the standard bearer. They're still wearing the crown. But other than HBO, who has been doing it the best for years, I would say easily the next in line is Netflix. Now, Netflix obviously doesn't necessarily do a great job with their original movies per se, but their original series stuff is really, really good. Like they just do a solid job, whether they're doing comic book material like Daredevil, whether they're doing big drama like The Crown. I mean, they do a lot of great international fare. There's some really neat stuff like Squid Game. I mean, they just do a terrific job with their original content. So I remember I had a big disagreement with a lot of our viewers because when they heard that the original creators of Airbender weren't going to be on it, they were like, oh, well, this is going to suck then. And I'm like, wait a minute. Time out. Pump the brakes on that a little bit. This is still Netflix. This is still Netflix doing an original series. And while they may have a craptacular, awful track record when it comes to doing films and original films, you know, about one out of every 20 is decent, their ratio of great to bad is much better when it comes to their original series. And I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt until we see something and don't like it until then I'm going to give Netflix a benefit of the doubt and believe they're going to deliver something really good here. Then they announced the kid lineup and I thought they all looked great. I am, I'm obviously not very familiar with the work of a lot of the kids. So I can go, all I can go off of right now is how good they look and they look fantastic. And of course the one kid is actually in Shang-Chi. So that's great as well. But now you're right. We've got an, the first adult that's been cast and it's Daniel Day Kim. And listen, I have always liked this guy. He is, I think this is a fantastic choice. I don't think there's anything, um, I don't think there's any such thing as a perfect choice. I think there's a lot of different actors that could play it. But out of all the actors that would be a great choice, this is one of them. This I've First of all, I've always loved him since Lost, but even when he's popped up in a lot of other stuff, and by the way, he's a producer, he's a multifaceted guy, he's a hyphenate guy in the business, he's a smart dude in the business, but I've even watched Hawaii Five-0 just because he's in it, just because he's in it. And the guy carries a great presence on screen and all that kind of stuff, and I really do think that he's going to do a fantastic job playing Fire Lord Ozai. Now, of course, you guys remember in the animated series, um... Fire Lord, Fire Lord Ozai was voiced by Mark Hamill. And I love Mark Hamill. I do. I mean, I love him. I love him as a voice actor, especially. I think he's fantastic. Obviously, he's Luke Skywalker, but I love him as a voice performer. But I never really thought Hamill's voice matched what that character should be. You know what I mean? I, it didn't dislike it. Don't get me wrong. But I wasn't like overly taken with it. But I mean, Daniel Day Kim playing this character. I mean, just look at him. Now that you know, come on, be honest. Now that you know that this is the guy who's playing Fire Lord Ozai, 
don't you see Fire Lord Ozai when you look at him now? Like, isn't that isn't that completely what you see when you look at him now? I think it's going to be great. I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think this is a great choice. He's a solid actor. I think this is going to be a really nice fit. Question is for you guys. What do you think about the casting of Daniel Day Kim in the upcoming live-action Netflix Avatar The Last Airbender series? I personally think this sounds great. Maybe you do too. Maybe you're not even excited about the series at all. Whatever you guys are feeling about this, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Jesse Keller. And Jesse Keller writes, Hey, John. I just saw that Deadline is reporting that Gal Gadot is is cast in the new live-action Snow White movie over at Disney as the Evil Queen. I love her as Wonder Woman and in other stuff she's been in, but do you think she can pull off such an evil role like this? Also, I heard it's a musical, and my God, she can't sing. (laughs) Will they get a voice performer? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Jesse. And um, yeah, listen, this one, we heard whispers of this. There, there was a few months ago that we heard whispers about the possibility of Gal Gadot playing the evil queen in Snow White. Quite frankly, when I first heard those whispers, I kind of brushed them aside. I thought, that doesn't sound like a decent fit to me. So I kind of brushed it off and didn't even think about it. And then you're right. News broke that she's going to be in Snow White. Now, look, I am infamous for what I think about Gal Gadot as a performer, I think she's gotten better. I do. I I thought she at one point was actually pretty terrible. I thought she was actually not very good for a long time. Uh, but I think she has gotten better. And with that improvement, I still don't think she's a legit leading lady. I don't think she's, she yet has the acting chops to be a legit leading lady. But I think she has gone from being, I think, a poor actress to being serviceable and can only get better. Like I often compare my thoughts on on Gal to um, uh, what's his name, Twenty One Jump Street Boy. Why am I freezing on his name, Channing Tatum? I often compare my thoughts on her to my thoughts on Channing Tatum. Like there was a long time when I thought Channing Tatum was the worst actor in Hollywood. And I and I I remember writing articles about that on the movie blog. Channing Tatum is the worst actor in Hollywood getting regular work. But as time progressed, he worked his ass off. He worked and worked and worked. He got better and better. He started improving little bit by little bit. And then it got to the point where, okay, maybe he's not terrible. Now he's just not so good. And well, now he's serviceable and now he's pretty good. And listen, today I get excited about seeing Channing Tatum and stuff. I really like watching him perform now. And I see, fingers crossed, hopefully Gal Gadot being on that same kind of trajectory. I see her today. She's a better actress than she was five or six years ago. And if she continues on that trajectory, she could become the next Channing Tatum to me. Like, it just because she's in it, I'll be excited. But still, let's get back to Snow White. This comes from the folks over at JoeBlow.com who write, The Wonder Woman actress is set to make it official, as Deadline has reported that Gal Gadot is set to play the evil queen in Disney's upcoming live-action adaptation of Snow White. 
Snow White is one of the many live action adaptations that Disney has in the works, and this one has been in development for five years. Mark Webb, the Amazing Spider-Man and 500 Days of Summer director, is directing the film with production expected to kick off in 2022. Rachel Zegler, West Side Story, is set to play Snow White, and she looks great, by the way. Steven Spielberg is just raving about her. Um, with Webb saying that Rachel's extraordinary vocal abilities are just the beginning of her of her gifts. Her strength, intelligence, and optimism will become an integral part of rediscovering the joy of this classic Disney fairy tale. And that, again, comes to us from the folks over at Joe Blow. So, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This is an odd choice for me for a couple of reasons. One thing you can never take away from Gal Gadot is male or female. She is simply one of the most stunning, attractive creatures walking the face of the earth. Like there are certain individuals that it's just unfair how attractive they are. Like I get mad looking at Javier Bardem. Like that's just not fair. That's just not fair. A guy should not be that good looking. Or like Margot Robbie. It's like it's almost not fair that a woman, that any human being should be that good looking. Gal Gadot falls under one of those categories. She's just stunningly beautiful. And part of the reason, I'm going to be honest about this. One of the reasons um, that I find this a little bit odd is the notion that Gal Gadot is going to be playing a character who is no longer the fairest of them all. Right? She, no, no, she ain't the prom queen anymore. No, she's not the most beautiful. Name me a movie that Gal Gadot is in where she's not the most beautiful. Just by nature, the rules of Mother Nature herself, she's the most attractive human being in any movie that she's in. And that includes a movie she's doing with Drain the Rock Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, which I'm not hearing good things about, but that aside. So to me, that's just strange. Right. So we've cast Gal Gadot to be the second most attractive person. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Say that again. Whose bright idea was that? But OK, whatever. Hey, listen, if anything, I think it says something about uh, Gal Gadot's personality that you would think if she would if Gal was somebody who was really, really vain, if Gal was somebody who was really, really uppity on herself, which she has never come across that way. But I'm saying if she was super vain and super into herself and all that kind of stuff, you would think that as an actress in Hollywood, a, a sought-after actress in Hollywood, she goes, no, I'm not going to be in a movie where I'm the second most attractive, where the whole idea is that I'm the second most attractive. I'm not going to do that. But she didn't. She's taking it on. And listen, full marks to her for doing that and full marks to her for taking a role that's going to be probably a little bit more meaty. And it's going to be interesting to see. How does she play the queen? I have my suspicions about whether or not she can. Now, granted, Snow White's going to be the lead. But this is as big of a role as it can be. And I am still a little suspicious about how well I think she's going to be able to do in this. But I will say this. As I've mentioned, we've seen her improve. We've seen her get better. We, she can do things on screen today that she was simply not capable of doing five, six years ago. I still don't think she's a great actress, but she's not the same actress she was five or six years ago. So I'm going to be very curious to see how well she can step into this role and if she can really hold her own. 
And if she can, it'll be a huge testimony to the advancement she's made. And if she can't, at least hopefully we'll still see improvement. Still, an odd choice to me that she's being cast to no longer be the fairest of them all. Very strange to me. But anyway, question is for you guys. What do you think about the casting of Gal Gadot as the evil queen in a live-action Snow White thing where she's not the fairest of them all? How are you guys feeling about that? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Aiden. And Aiden writes, Hey, John. A friend and I have been talking a lot about the Rust situation, and she sent me this article today saying that Dwayne Johnson is going to ban the use of authentic guns on any movie set he's either in or is producing through his production company. Do you think this makes a big statement considering he's not only a big action star, but probably the biggest movie star in the world? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. Appreciate that. And yeah, listen, we've been talking a lot, obviously, the last number of days and a couple of weeks now about the tragedy on the set of Rust. And and still, that is a story that continues to unfold. More and more information comes out uh, about the tragic shooting of the cinematographer on set of the Jensen Ackles, Alec Baldwin movie and how tragic that was. Yesterday took a little bit of a turn where the lawyers for the armorer on set of the movie is suggesting that maybe somebody purposefully sabotaged it by slipping in a live round, trying to sabotage the set. Crazier things, I suppose, but that's made this whole thing take another twist. But it all comes down to something that I've been talking a lot about since this happened. It was years ago. I remember years ago, Dennis Zen and I got into this conversation about like weapons and, and prop weapons and guns. And I remember saying for years, there is simply no need for real guns to be on set. There's no need for real guns to be on set. The way movies are done today, it's so easy. Like a lot of TV shows and movies already use alternatives that the audience cannot tell the difference. There's just no need. And after this shooting incident happened, it kind of brought it up again. Well, uh, John, the John Campia show number one fan, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, clearly heard me talking about this. He did not hear me talk about this. Dwayne The Rock Johnson clearly heard me talking about this. And uh, yeah, he is now banning, number one, guns on the sets of the movies he stars in, the movies produce, and he's even said he's letting the studios know that any movie he's working with them in any capacity, no real guns. This comes just from the folks over at Variety who say this. I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you, without an, with, with an absence of clarity here, that any movie that we have moving forward with Seven Buck Productions, Seven Bucks Productions, any movie, any television show or anything we do or produce, we won't use real guns at all. And when something like this happens of this magnitude, that is this heartbreaking, I think the most prudent thing and the smartest thing to do is just pause for a second and really re-examine how you're going to move forward and how we're going to work together. Any movie we do that Seven Bucks does with any studio, the rule is we are not going to use real guns. That's it, he continued. So that comes to us again from Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, with the folks over at Variety. And look, Obviously, I 100% agree with them. I 100% agree with them. Look, there are risks in life that you need to take, right? If you get on an airplane, 
eh, you're taking a risk. If you ride your bike, you know, off trail, you're taking a risk. But if you work on a movie set, it can be a risky place. A movie set can be dangerous. There's power lines with, you know, upteen volts of energy running through them. A thousand things to trip over. Giant, you know, extremely heavy lights hanging overhead that can fall and kill you at any time. A hundred different people running around in a confined space. It's dangerous, but there are risks, you know, you kind of have to take to get the job done. When there are risks you don't need to take, when there are risks that are unnecessary because there's risk-free alternatives to still getting the job done, there's simply no excuse for not taking that option. Now, look, let's not pretend that people get shot on the set of movies every day. This is a rare thing. It does not happen often, obviously. But the fact is it doesn't need to happen at all because there's no need for the risk of having an actual weapon on a set. You don't need to have that. You can get the job done with a risk-free alternative. You know, we talked recently about the showrunner for the Nathan Fillion show, The Rookie, saying, you know what? For half of our scenes, we've been using these airsoft guns already. We're now going to use all airsoft guns because we've been using them and our audience has never been able to tell the difference. And that's the key. So I think it's extremely significant. Like you're asking, how significant is it that it's not just anybody coming out and talking about this, but it's actually like the biggest action star in the world and probably still right now the biggest movie star in the world that he's the one coming out and saying this. I think this is very significant because a lot of times when The Rock does something, other people will follow suit. And this is a pretty big voice in the business to be doing this. I don't know that the whole industry is going to move to non-real guns anytime soon, but I think you're going to see more and more start to move towards that. And I think Dwayne The Rock Johnson coming out ahead of all that is going to help that process along. So anyway, that's just how I see it on that. Question is for you guys. What do you think about Dwayne Johnson coming out and saying, hey, listen, no movies that I act in or produce through me or my production company are ever going to have authentic guns on set again? I think this is a common sense, straightforward, intelligent thing to do. What do you guys think about it? Jump down into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Darth Vader's cousin. And Darth Vader's cousin writes, Good morning, team. I remember you and Aaron talking about the trailer for Sing 2 that they showed you guys back at CinemaCon, and I was wondering if it was the same one they just put out today. I didn't see the first Sing movie, but now I want to because I thought this trailer was great. What did you think of it? Was it the same one? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, you're right. Back at CinemaCon a month and a half ago, two months ago, I can't remember how long ago it was now, but back at CinemaCon Las Vegas, uh, Aaron Cummings was with me. They showed us a lot of stuff. They showed us the whole movie of Ghostbusters Afterlife. They showed us a ton of stuff from Matrix and a ton of stuff from this and a ton of stuff from that. They just showed us a lot of stuff at CinemaCon. One of the things that they showed us was the trailer for Sing 2. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like the first Sing movie. Now, I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's terrible. It's not like, ooh, Sing. No, I... But I watched it. It didn't, it didn't click for me. And it's not like I'm against animations. There's a lot of animated films I really like. But Sing 
just wasn't one of them. So when the studio rep came out on stage and was talking about all the different movies, saying, now we're going to show you our first look at our first trailer for Sing 2. And yes, by the way, the trailer they showed us a month and a half ago, two months ago, however long ago it was, that was the same trailer that they just put out now. They were going to show you the trailer for Sing 2. I'm like, all right, whatever, go ahead, play it. I'm going to tell you what, I really liked it. I really liked it. Uh, anyway, this comes just from the folks over at Mashable who write, written and directed by Garth Jennings, Sing 2 sees Matthew McConaughey return as Koala Buster Moon, who is apparently doing well with his new moon theater. He's got big plans to debut a new show at a flashy venue in the entertainment capital of Redshore City with his animal performer buddies. Rosita the Pig, voiced by Reese Witherspoon, Ash the Porcupine, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Johnny the Gorilla, voiced by Taron Egerton, Mina the Elephant, Tori Kelly, and Gunter the Pig, voiced by Nick Kroll. I really like Nick Kroll. Uh, But in order to do it, they'll have to convince Bono, yes, Bono, to join the team. All right, so that kind of leads us into the trailer. I remember when we saw this trailer in Vegas, I was actually really moved by it. And Aaron loved it. Like, I remember Aaron and I looked at each other and it's like, we loved it. Now, look, little disclaimer. U2 is my favorite band. They're my favorite band. Um, And I personally think the song, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, is like one of the top 10 greatest songs ever written. I, like, I really do. I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I think is a top 10 greatest song ever written. But that's just me. So when the thing starts off with this, you know, porcupine girl on stage starting to sing, still haven't found what I'm looking for. And the whole idea of the movie is that there's this aging rock star lion who's voiced by Bono. And they're really trying to get, they need him to come out of retirement. And you can tell from the trailer that there's something that drove him away from music. And must have something to do with his wife because in the trailer he opens up his guitar case and he sees a picture of this girl lion and you assume it's somebody that he had lost or something like that. And the movie's about them trying to get him come out of retirement and come back on. And she's singing Still Haven't Found Solo and then all of a sudden the guitar starts to play, the room plays and out comes this huge gray-haired lion singing what I think one of the greatest songs of all time, Still Haven't Found I'm Looking For. And I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you I got goosebumps. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I got goosebumps. I I totally did. Even watching it again today for the first time since CinemaCon, I popped it on again today and uh, I I loved it. And I got the goosebumps again. And a lot of it looks like it carries a bunch of the silliness of the first one. Yes. But the whole notion of that, the gray-haired lion, all that kind of, and them playing the song, it got me. No, look, I don't know if this movie's going to be any good. I have no idea if this movie's going to be any good. I mean, it has to be better than the last one for me to enjoy it because I thought the last one was, eh, it's all right. I mean, it's okay. I'm not a big fan of it. But uh, but we're talking about a trailer. I thought the trailer was really good. And, and I don't know. Like, I remember I talked to Ann this morning and Ann was saying, okay, now would you like this trailer? Because Ann's a big YouTube fan as well. And Ann was like, would you like this trailer if that was like a Justin Timberlake song at the beginning, or if it was, uh, I don't know, a Bare Naked Ladies song. Well, I'm a really big Bare Naked Ladies fan too, so I don't know if that counts. Or would it, if it was a Bon Jovi song and the gray-haired line was Bon Jovi, and I'm like, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't know how much, I don't know how much my 
love of this trailer has just to do with the fact that it's one of my all-time favorite songs by my all-time favorite band. So maybe I'm kind of biased on that. So let me ask you guys, my unbiased brothers and sisters in the world of film fandom, what did you think of the Sing 2 trailer? It gave me goosebumps, but maybe you hated it. I mean, I don't know. What did you guys think about it? Jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number five. And our fifth and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Marcus C. And Marcus C. writes, Hi, John. Ingresso, an official Brazilian ticketing website, has just listed Spider-Man No Way Home's runtime on their website at two hours and 39 minutes, or 159 minutes. This would make it the longest solo movie in the MCU to date. What do you make of this, and do you think this is legit? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. Now, look, one of the big topics of conversation around here lately has obviously been Spider-Man No Way Home. It is the biggest film opening since the pandemic happened. Ever since the pandemic hit us, this has this is going to be the biggest movie opening that we've seen in that time. So obviously it's a big topic of conversation. Adding to the excitement of the conversation surrounding Spider-Man 3 or Spider-Man No Way Home is the additional big mysteries and questions. Will we see Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in it? How many classic Spider-Man villains are going to be in it? And one of the questions that we talked about yesterday which was, what's going to happen to Spider-Man after this? Is he indeed now leaving the MCU after this? Maybe pop up in an odd appearance in the MCU moving forward? Is he going back over to Sony? Is he not? Is Sony and Marvel going to create some other kind of deal? I mean, these all, all these things are surrounding one movie. The biggest movie coming out since the pandemic, combined with, are we going to get these classic Spider-Man characters in there, including other Spider-Man? What's going to happen to Spider-Man? I mean, all of this is kind of coalesced into one big giant topic to talk about. And now we've got another thing to add to that. And that's what's the runtime of the movie going to be? This comes just from the folks over at MovieWeb who write, according to information that appeared for a short while on Brazilian website Ingresso. Now, just so you know, Ingresso um, is kind of like Fandango. It's a ticketing website, but in Brazil. So anyway, we go on here. Um, uh, Brazilian website Ingresso. The movie will be clocking in at 159 minutes, which is nine minutes longer than previously reported. To line uh, this expected runtime up with previous outings for the Web Slinger, uh, No Way Home will be 27 minutes longer, or sorry, 26 minutes longer than Homecoming and 30 minutes longer than Far From Home. So take the runtime of Far From Home, add another 30 minutes on top of it, according to this report at any rate. 30 minutes longer than Far From Home. When it comes to earlier movies from Sony's Money Spinner, uh, Spider-Man clocked in at 121 minutes, Spider-Man 2 at 127 minutes, Spider-Man 3 at 139 minutes, and The Amazing Spider-Man at 136 minutes, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 at 144 minutes. Now, those all got progressively longer, but none of them touched 159 minutes. This is interesting. Look, a little while ago, there were some rumors going around that Spider-Man No Way Home was going to clock in at 150. So that already would have made it the longest Spider-Man movie ever at 150 minutes. Now, those didn't come from the most reliable of places, but still that was kind of the whispers that the movie is going to be 150. 
This one's 159. Now, the question is, should we believe this? Can we take it to the bank that Spider-Man No Way Home is in fact going to be one hour or two hours, I should say, and 39 minutes? Can we take that to the bank? No. Until Sony says this, until Sony comes out and says the movie is 159 minutes long, you can't take it to the bank. But this is also a little bit more than just a rumor because we've got the runtimes for movies many, many times from a ticketing website somewhere or a movie theater chain somewhere inadvertently posting or letting that information of the runtime of the movie post a little bit early. This is not the first time this has happened. Now, it hasn't turned out to be true 100% of the time, but I would say it kind of seems like to me that it has definitely been true more times than not. Like when these runtimes accidentally get leaked and revealed through one of the movie theaters, web portals, or through one of the ticketing sites, it usually, not always, usually ends up being accurate. So, is that the case here? Did this Brazilian ticketing website just inadvertently give us the accurate release time for Spider-Man No Way Home? I don't know for sure, but I'll tell you this. For now, I am going to assume, for now, that this is accurate. I'm going to go now into Spider-Man No Way Home, assuming that the movie is going to be, with credits, 159 minutes. Now, it might not be. I'm not going to be shocked and surprised to find out that it's not. But I think right now, all other things being equal, I think it's fairly okay to go on that assumption for now that it is indeed going to be 159 minutes. And if it's not, it's not. It's not a big deal. But let's talk about this. Does it need to be the longest one of the franchise so far? Well, Let's look back at what Tom Holland was saying about Spider-Man No Way Home. Tom Holland said this movie is the end of a franchise. He didn't just say it was the end of the story. He didn't just say it was the end of this chapter. Tom Holland said we treated this movie as the end of the franchise. It's the culmination of what they've done so far. And when Marvel making movies have had those types of films ones that kind of bring everything together kind of movies, those end up being longer. They do end up being longer. So for all those reasons, for now, until I hear otherwise from Sony or from somebody else official, I'm going to go on the assumption that's 159 minutes. The question is for you guys. What do you think? Do you think they're actually going to make this movie two hours and 39 minutes long. Do you think it's actually going to be 159? I'm going to go under the assumption that it is right now until we hear otherwise with new information. How do you guys feel about that? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down and out of the way, uh, before we get into the questions that you guys have sent in via the tip link, we are actually going to go over. You guys have been firing in a lot of comments. We're going to go over and take some of these comments that you guys have been sharing with us. Now, give me a second to bring this up. This is always a little awkward as I try to get this uh, set up and running. But I will get this here in just a second. Give me a moment. We're almost there. Okay. So let me scroll down here to where we need to start from. And we are going to start off here with some comments that you guys have been firing in during the show. And we're going to start off with this. We are going to start with 
Um, where are we here? Elliot Wizard writes, watched Eternals last night. Best movie I have ever seen. My favorite was Icarus. Icarus is a great character in the movie. I'm glad you loved it. It is definitely not my favorite movie of all time, but I really enjoyed the movie too. And I'm glad you had a good time with that, Elliot. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Casual Cups writes, it's interesting how most people don't want Sony to have control of Spider-Man, yet all of the characters they are hyped for in Spider-Man No Way Home are by Sony. That is a great point. It's like, no, I don't want I don't want Spider-Man to go back to Sony, even though Sony has made the best Spider-Man movies, better than any Spider-Man movie that Marvel has made so far. I don't want them to go back to Sony. Are you looking forward to the movie? Yeah. Why? Ooh, because Andrew Garfield may be back, and Tobey Maguire may be back, and and Doc Ock is going to be there, and Electro is going to be there, and uh, Willem Dafoe is going to be back. And it's like, you do realize those are all Sony Spider-Man film stuff, right? The, the Sony, you don't want them. Anyway, that's a very good observation, Casual Cups. I like they point that out. All right. Uh, Jake C. writes, John, I wouldn't mind if No Way Home was six hours and 47 minutes. I think probably a lot of people agree with you on that, Jake. All right. Uh, Shiv Patel writes, happy Diwali, John. Enjoy your day and Eternals. I'm going to assume that is an international holiday of some sorts that I'm not aware of. I will take it in the manner of which it was expressed. Thank you, Shiv. I appreciate the well wishes. All right. Mike Hill writes, apologies for my question yesterday. I missed the start of the show. That said, I think Eternals will be a big hit with fans. I mean, again, that's I just don't know. I am, again, I said it before, I will say it again. I am not going to be surprised if Eternals ends up with a 90% audience rating. Won't be surprised. But I also won't be surprised if it's like 60% or 55%. I won't be surprised by that either. I'm dying to hear it. By the way, don't forget, guys, we're going to do an open spoiler discussion for Eternals on Sunday. Make sure you join us for that. Um, the Golden Sloth tips like 15 bucks just to say, love you, John. Oh, dude, it's always nice when people want to write in just to say something nice. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. All right, next up. Purple Queen writes, Happy Eternals Day, John. I am so excited. I am seeing it today. And a lot of people are seeing it today, Purple Queen. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, if you don't, oh, well, we got Spider-Man coming. <laughs> okay, next up, Steve uh, Mungia writes, Hey, John, is Eternals a film that you personally enjoy more with each viewing? Uh, is there no change or do you enjoy it less with each viewing? Again, guys, don't be sending in questions, but I will say this. Um, I've enjoyed it a little bit more every time I've seen it. I mean, it's still not my favorite MCU movie of the year. That's still Shang-Chi. But yeah, I've enjoyed it a little bit more every time I've seen it. All right, P. Mac writes, Hey, Campia, just watched The Harder They Fall, and I totally disagree with you. It was a good movie. Is it because you hate Netflix movies? No. Like, when, when Netflix puts out a good movie, like when they put out, uh, what was the Charlize Theron one? Old Guard. Like, when they put out a movie that ends up being pretty good, I'm like, oh, cool. If anything, I go into Netflix movies with really low expectations. And so when they're good, I'm like, oh, hey, there you go. That one was pretty good. Like, I'm excited about that. But yeah, I, I honestly think The Harder They Fall is one of, it's the worst movie of the year. As long as, I can't remember when Thorn, Thunder Force came out. I can't remember if it came out in 2021 or 2020. But let's say it was 2020. It's, whatever. As long as Thunder Force did not come out this year, then to me, The Harder They Fall is the worst film of the year. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I'm glad you had a good time. And you're not alone. A bunch of people are saying that they like it. All right, BK Dan writes, My spot-on prediction, Eternals, 79 million opening weekend. We will find out on Sunday if you're on target there, BK. Uh, Twasif Muhammad writes, or just sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, man. Uh, Stefan Dylan Wouters writes, 
I doubt Eternals will have a good word of mouth. During my screening, five kids, 10 to 12, sitting in front of me, took out their smartphones halfway through. They were bored. Uh, timid reactions overall. Well, here's the thing you got to understand, Stefan. Never think that your one experience in your theater is necessarily going to be reflective of every other theater. I, I've learned that lesson a long time ago. Never assume that the way your audience reacts to something is the way that other audiences are reacting as well. I mean, it can vary from theater to theater, but again, I won't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. All right, Hoser Mias writes, John, do you think that next week during Disney Plus Day, we are getting the trailer of No Way Home and confirm the cast of the film next month? Again, this is not the place to send in questions, but I will say this. Disney Plus Day is not about the movies. It's about Disney Plus. So no, they are not. There's two reasons why you're not going to see another New Way, uh, No Way Home trailer at Disney Plus Day. Number one, it's not a Disney Plus thing. Number two, Disney doesn't get to do the marketing for it. Sony is in charge of the marketing for No Way Home because it is their movie. They are the distributor. So no, you're not going to see a trailer for it uh, at Disney Plus Day. Uh, Stefan Dillent Routers writes, I realize this just might be a coincidence, but this is the first time something like that happened during an MCU film for me. There's, there's usually a lot of cheering, not this time, only mumbling. Hey man, it happens, but again... Don't assume that what happened in your theater was going to, is going to be the, the experience in every other theater. Uh, ben Rayner is writing, I agree with you, John, about Avatar series. The gatekeeping is tiring to me, but Daniel Day Kim was a great choice for that character. Looking forward to this. I agree. And listen, this whole thing of only the creator of something can be the one to make the next part of that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Um, yeah, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's true. I think other people can come in and build on it, maybe even make it better or make it worse. You never know. But I think Daniel Day Kim is a great choice. All right. Uh, the beefy 80395 just sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Carl Bruss writes, Hey, John, huge fan of your and Robert's shows, following both of you for some time now. Me and my girlfriend just watched Eternals yesterday here in Berlin. We really enjoyed it. Uh, Tiago Il Miglio, uh, my pronunciation is terrible. Thank you for listen. You're going to hear this, right? We just heard from somebody. I just saw it with some kids, and we didn't like it. I, you're going to hear that. Now we're hearing, I saw the movie, and I think it's the greatest movie of all time. And then you're going to get other people at Carl here. It's like, hey, saw the movie, really liked it. Awesome. I'm dying to hear what the consensus is going to be because I just don't know what it's going to be right now. All right, next up, Joshua Norrie writes, the first time I saw Daniel Day Kim was in Star Trek Voyager. Uh, Rob would know the episode, LOL. He is awesome. I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen every episode of Star Trek Voyager and I don't remember him in it. I don't, now I'm going to have to go look it up. Thanks a lot, Joshua. Now it's going to be in my brain. I'm not going to be able to get rid of it until I go and find out what episode it is. Uh, Phil Corvelli writes, Daniel Day Kim actually voiced characters from both. And yes, that's right. He did a voice in the first one and he was a voice in Korra. Um, I think he only did, I think he was only in like one episode of the original one. But yes, he had uh, he had a larger role in uh, Legend of Korra. So it's kind of keeping it in the family a little bit. Well, well pointed out, Phil. Uh, Mark Neto writes, Seeing Eternals at the Cineplex on Friday, first impressions are important. It's true. Your first experience with the movie is usually the one that sticks with you forever. Like, I've radically changed my mind on uh, Inglorious Bastards, but that is like one movie out of every 500. It's normally that first experience you have with the one is the one that sticks with you. Chris Miner writes, saw last night in Soho, 
Uh, saw Last Night in Soho last night, and it's my favorite movie of the year so far. I'm okay if there isn't a second Baby Driver. I want him to make more originals. Now, listen, I first of all, hearing from everybody that Last Night in Soho is awesome. I've really got to try to get to, out to see it tomorrow. Can't see it tonight. I'm going to go see Eternals again. But I'm going to try to get out to do a double feature tomorrow of Antlers and uh, Last Night in Soho tomorrow. Hearing everybody who's writing and saying they love it. Um, but, I mean, you can do both. You can make a sequel and then make another original. You can do both, can't you? But yeah, I really want him to do another Baby Driver. Uh, Mobert Zampia writes, Greetings, good morrow. Well, thank you for that, man. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Oh, wait a second. I, did, I, did I skip over one? Hold on a second. I just want to make sure I didn't skip over one. I don't think I did. No, 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 no. Okay, we're all good. Okay, where are we at? The, um, both avatars, Mark. That was Chris. Greetings, we're okay. K Major writes, as a person who really enjoyed the first Sing movie, I had no real interest in the second. But man, when they started playing that song, I too got goosebumps. I'm telling you, man, when they start, like, she's singing, which is great. I have climbed highest mountains, right? That's great. But then all of a sudden you hear the I'm like, oh, that's when the goosebumps started to hit for me. Okay, uh, next up, we've got uh, Toodle, oh, sorry, Toodle. Till D Dundee right sends in like a hundred dollar super chat that toodle D I'm 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 sure two to deal to do deal Dundee anyway however you pronounce your name Mr. Dundee thank you so dude that's incredibly generous thank you so much for supporting us on this level let's see what you have to say here back in my high school days my buddies and I would have gun wars with airsoft guns, and I'm kind of surprised that films and shows don't use them myself. Uh, the detail on some of these guns is crazy. Pistols, shotguns, sniper rifles, etc. And that was back in 05, 09. Uh, my love mate. Oh, dude, for, first of all, again, thank you so much for supporting us on that channel, dude. That's incredibly generous of you. Thank you so much. And on behalf of everybody who is a part of the show and watches the show, thank you for that kind of support. But again, you're right. Like, I remember when I found out that, like, just going back to the show we were talking about earlier, The Rookie, when I found out all their indoor action sequences have always used airsoft guns and used post-production to put in muzzle flash and stuff like that. I'm like, I never even realized that. Never even realized that. So I thought that was really impressive. You're right. There's just no need for it. There's no need. On camera, you can make it so no one will ever know the difference. Simple. Simple and with no risk. Anyway, so I agree with you. Again, thank you, man, for uh, for supporting us on that level, dude. That's really, really generous of you. Thanks a lot. All right, anyway, uh, Uriah writes, for those of you just becoming aware, Paul Dano, check out Ruby Sparks' awesome film. Again, Paul Dano, who I think would be a household name if it wasn't for Daniel Day-Lewis giving the best, I think maybe the single greatest performance in, in movie history in There Will Be Blood. Daniel Day, uh, Paul Dano, was his co-star in it. And so whenever you think about There Will Be Blood, all anybody talks about is Daniel Day-Lewis for understandable reasons. Paul Dano is so good. He's so good. And then he did that Beach Boys movie. And he's got, uh, now he's got, he's going to be the Riddler in the new Batman movie. And I think he's going to rock everybody's world. I really do. Thanks for that recommendation. Uh, Morbid Zampier writes, you're clever. I know what you mean about Professor X. Took me a minute, but I figured it out well played. Again, I'll give my theory 
I'll give my theory, and it's only a theory, but why I think Professor X is going to show up in Spider-Man No Way Home on Monday. I will share that theory on Monday. And again, it's not based on any factual information, just to let you know, but I will tell you why I have that theory on Monday, and we'll go from there. All right, uh, K Major writes, uh, is this movie even about Spider-Man anymore? Uh, to be that long, there's going to be a lot to unpack. I don't see the the thought of Spider-Man getting lost. I, or you don't like the thought of Spider-Man getting lost. I'll be honest with you. I don't see the slightest reason to think that this isn't going to be absolutely Spider-Man centric. I've seen nothing to suggest that it's not going to be Spider-Man centric. Uh, the presence of Doctor Strange may be, but remember, they did that with Spider-Man Homecoming, and I was really worried that movie was going to be an Iron Man movie with special guest Spider-Man. But it did. It wasn't at all. It was very Spider-Man centric. And my worries were for nothing. Um, and so I look at this and I really don't think there's any reason to worry about that, K-Major. We'll find out though. Uh, Jasmine Jones writes, can't wait f- uh, for Eternals tomorrow for my early birthday since my birthday is actually on the 14th. I hope it gives you a happy birthday and not a disappointing one, Jasmine. I hope you have a good time at it. Uh, Daniela Rial writes, Hey, John, greetings from Uruguay. Thank you for writing in. I went to see Dune like four times in cinema. Love this movie. And each time a different person accompanied me. They didn't know anything about Dune. Uh, All of them ask if it was an MCU movie when you're going to go see it. Yeah, I guess when you see people getting excited for a movie today, you just kind of assume it must be an MCU movie because that's what everybody seems to be getting excited about. Anyway, I'm glad you saw it four times. I love this movie. I can't wait to see it in IMAX again. Uh, Morbid Zambia writes, uh, Tutu Dial is pronounced Toto Dial. Toto Dial? Okay. Oh, I guess it's supposed to rhyme with Crocodile Dundee. Toto Dial? Okay, I get it. All right, Jazz, thanks for letting me know. Jasmine also writes in, With these mixed reviews for Eternals, I'm glad I don't actually form my own opinion based on what others say, unlike some fans do. Yeah, listen, reviews are not meant to make you form an opinion. Reviews are meant to give you a heads up. They're meant to help you understand maybe where your expectation should be. They're not meant to give you an opinion. They're not meant to form your opinion. You need to form your opinion for yourself. Like when I see a lot of reviews, like there have been a couple of movies this year that I honestly just bypassed because even though I was excited about it, I started hearing really, really bad things about it. And it's like, okay, I don't have the opinion that that movie's now bad, but my expectations are lowered a lot. And it's disappointing that I hear a lot of people who kind of in unison are saying they don't really like the movie. All right, I'm just going to take a pass on it. It didn't form my opinion of the movie, but it helped me make an informed choice about whether or not I wanted to invest my time in going to see it or not. For all I know, the movie's great, but, you know, I can't I can't see, every, even as a film critic, I can't see every single movie or every single TV show or everything that comes out. Not if I'm going to have a life. So, yeah, it makes it... Uh, Makes it a little bit challenging there, but yeah. Uh, make sure you always understand that difference, though. Okay. Uh, Real Jad Docs writes, Hey, John, I rewatched both Spider-Man 2 and The Amazing Spider-Man yesterday. I love Toby, but man, I really hate how Sony did Andrew and Mark Webb. So much potential. Yeah, but listen, it was a business choice. As Rob often says, this isn't show friends, it's show business, right? And... For them, the best business decision at that time was about moving on. You don't owe, the studio doesn't owe Andrew Garfield anything, and they don't own Mark, they don't owe Mark Webb anything. They owe them paychecks. That's it. Just like Andrew Garfield and Mark Webb don't owe Sony anything. They owe them their effort and their work to show up and do work if that's what's required, but that's it. It's show business. 
And while I really liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, I really did. Um, it, you know, they had to make a business decision and they moved on. All right. Got a couple more here, guys. Uh, uh, Lord Genome 76 writes thoughts on Shin uh, Megami Tensei five reviews. Haven't seen them besides this isn't a place to ask questions right now, dude. Uh, Dinosaurs, Lim- Dinosaurs Limbo writes, if the reason you end up liking uh, if the reason you end up liking Sing 2 is because of you too, I don't think that's something to be ashamed of. Often it's not how ba- how it's baked, but what's in it. No, listen. Movies are experiential events. And as art, they are subjective, which means they hit each one of us individually in different ways and for different reasons. As long as you come out of a movie having had that experience, if you come out of a movie having had a positive experience, that's all that, that, that's all that counts. Because at the end of the day, that's what movies are. They're experiential events. And whatever tools in the tool belt of a filmmaker that they use to make that particular experience, if it delivers an experience for you, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Uh, so thanks for sharing that, man. All right, next up, uh, Angela uh, Dashner sends in like a $50 super chat. Thank you, Angela, so much. You know, Angela's been a viewer and a supporter of our show for a long time. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate that. And Angela writes, thanks, John, for all the great content. Looking forward to seeing Eternals tonight. Uh, You're the best. Can't wait for the spoiler discussion. Spoiler discussion on Sunday. Listen, I cannot remember the last time, Angela, I have been this excited for a spoiler discussion. Not because I think this is the greatest movie of all time and I want to talk about it, but because I am so fascinated to find out what other people think about this movie. Having seen it now, having been wondering for a long time, for, for days and days and days and days and days, and now it's probably into the week's part, wondering what the general audience is going to think about this and how people are going to respond to this. I am beyond excited for the spoiler review on Sunday just to really hear what people think about it and where their thoughts are. All right. Uh, total D Dundee writes six years ago today. I've been listening almost daily. Thank you for the podcast version as well, by the way. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, Toodle D. I, I, uh, to, Toto dial. That's it. Toto dial Dundee. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you for being around that long. And, uh, we're glad that you're here, man. And thank you for listening to our podcast as well. And guys, uh, that's it. That's all the time we have for taking your live comments, uh, for this. So thank you everybody for sending in your thoughts. And by the way, guys, do let me know, continue to let me know if you like us taking people's comments at the end of the main topics before getting into the uh, live questions that you guys send in. I mean, the response was pretty good during the last episode, so we'll see. All right, with all that down, guys, now let's get into the questions that you guys have been sending in, shall we? And we're going to get things started off here in the questions with uh, Unak, who... What is with today and people sending in $100? Shounak sends in a $100 tip. Um, thank you, Shounak. Very grateful. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that. That's that's awesome of you, man. And he writes in, been following you since the AMC days. Thank you so much. Uh, love your take. Even if I don't always agree sometimes, that's the thing. We're not supposed to agree all the time. That's why it's fun. Um, makes me appreciate movies and shows in a different way than my normal approach. I have not been able to see any new movies since Black Widow and was wondering how to... I was wondering how to... Oh, no. Don't tell me the second part of his question. <gasps> I am agog and aghast. Dude sent in like a $100 tip and the second part of his question didn't come through. 
Oh my God. Listen, uh, Shaunak, do me a favor. Email me at john at the and let me know what the second part of your question was. I will email to you personally, okay? I will email you back personally with whatever it is your question was going to be. I am agog and aghast that the second part didn't come through. Uh, so, yeah, dude, make sure you email me, john at the Let me know it was you, and I will f- I will follow up with you and send you an answer to the question personally. And, again, thank you for the support, dude. All right, uh, next up. Teddy D writes, hey, John, I know they're both great, but this debate has kept my roommate and I up for days. Scorsese or Spielberg? That's easy for me. Um, and and how far behind is Ridley Scott from those top two? Oh, considerably behind. Listen, it to me, it's no question it's Spielberg. And that's not any shade on the greatness of Marty Scorsese. Not at all. But here's the thing. Scorsese can do it all. I mean, Scorsese has... Let me, it's the opposite. Spielberg can do it all. Scorsese has a particular wheelhouse that he's in, right? Where And they're magnificent and they're awesome and he's truly one of the all-time greats. I love Marty Scorsese. Spielberg can do everything, though. You want to do period piece? He can do it. Make it a Best Picture nomination. You want to do modern drama? He can do it. Go ahead, make it a Best Picture nomination. You want to do fiction? Does it, gets a Best Picture nomination. Uh, Real Life Stories, does it, gets Best Picture nominations. You want to do sci-fi, does it, gets Best Picture nominations. There's nothing Spielberg can't do. He can literally take any kind of story and make it a Best Picture contender. That's just what he does. You want to do a war movie? No problem. Best Picture nominee. It's just, that's just him. He can literally take any kind of material and make it into something spectacular. And that's why, for me, he's... Now, Ridley Scott is a great director, but he's not in the conversation with Scorsese or uh, or Spielberg. You know, he's just not in that conversation. He's got some magnificent films. He's definitely in the upper echelon of directors, absolutely. But to me, he's not in that same sphere as those two. But he's great, and I really am looking forward to House of Gucci. I'm looking forward to that one a lot. All right, uh, next up. We've got, uh, that was Teddy. Okay, Canadian writes, I had some thoughts on Eternals trailer as Aaron, I had the same thoughts on the Eternals trailer as Aaron did. Did she watch the movie yet? What did she think? No, Aaron has not seen Eternals yet, uh, to the best of my knowledge. I'm talking to her later today, so I'll, but I'll, 100%, I'm pretty sure she hasn't seen it yet. So if you guys don't rem- remember, it, Aaron wasn't so big on the Eternals trailer. She didn't think the trailer was all that great. And a lot of you guys gave her shit for it, which was not very cool. But, uh, yeah, she just didn't like the trailer. But I am going to be very curious to see what she thinks of the movie. Remember, she loves Shang-Chi, so I don't know what she's going to think about this one. All right, next up. Uh, Old Danny Boy writes, very, and I'll repeat myself, very unlikely theory for Spider-Man No Way Home. When Tom Holland goes into a different universe, he looks like Maguire and Garfield to everyone else around him. Uh, That... um, To everyone else around him, that... All right, I guess there's no, that just ends there. Everyone else. Okay, so you're not the first person. Oh, wait, was it lower than that? Sorry, there it is. That would explain Doc Ock recognizing Holland in the trailer. By the way, that could have just been editing. Don't read anything into that from the trailer. You're not the first one to have that theory that maybe he swaps universes and maybe, like, maybe Tobey Maguire does appear in this movie, but he's not his. 
Peter Parker. He's actually still Tom Holland's Peter Parker who now looks like that thing. Hey, listen, I don't think it's the craziest theory. I don't personally buy into it myself, old Danny boy, but it's not the craziest theory and you're not the only one to have it. All right, next up. Call Obsidian writes, Hey, John and crew. I saw Black Widow for the first time this week. Wow, you're a little bit behind on that. I know I'm very late to the party. I mostly liked it. I love the dynamic between the characters and appreciated the Jason Bourne-like tone it had, especially the beginning of the movie, as I love the Bourne franchise. I am also looking forward to seeing more of Florence Pugh's character in Hawkeye. My only real complaint was they noticeably used sets from other Marvel properties, which took me out of the movie. Uh, when they were in Budapest, I kept expecting U.S. agent to come along and hit them with his shield. Um, have you ever had a similar experience of seeing something familiar that took you out of a movie? Thanks and keep up the great work you do. And I kind of had the same opinion as you as Black Widow. I thought it's a good movie. I liked it. But, you know, the, the major problems with their villains... Uh, both of the key villains in the films, it just kept it from being a great movie to me. Like some movies can have bad villains, but it doesn't affect the movie overall all that much. This one really did have a bigger effect on it as, as a result of the bad villains. Um, that being said, I love the inner family dynamic and all that kind of stuff. No, not really. I, I've never really been pulled out of a movie because I see the, I mean, obviously when you're watching Deadpool and the, the, the shield Avengers helicarrier, is there in the background. I mean, that might take you out of the movie for a second to appreciate the the Easter egg, but honestly, no, that's never taken me out. I mean, really, the only time a set of a movie has taken me out, you know, we were talking about that new Netflix movie, The Harder They Fall. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I've explained this before, but for those of you who, haven't, who didn't hear me talk about this before, when you get a movie... Uh, like quite often, if you ever take this a tour of the Universal Studios set or the Warner Brothers lot or any of those, like any of the lots and stuff like that, right? Whenever you go to these, they'll show you that they, they construct these outdoor big streets and all this kind of stuff, right? But the buildings aren't real buildings. They're what's called facades. So let me get my mouse pad here for a second. So let's say you're walking down the street the camera's going down the street and you see this building. Let's say this looks like a big old schoolhouse or whatever, right? It's like, oh, it's got a door and windows and it looks like a real building. Well, the magic of it is if you turn around, it's not a full house that comes back. It's just this, it's just one flat thing. And then behind it, you'll just see a bunch of wood holding it up. It's what's called a facade is what they talk, is what they call these on the lots, facades. It's not a real building. It looks like a building. Uh, so when the camera's over here, Looking at it, it looks like a real building, but if the camera goes behind it, you can see it's just a big flat thing with wood holding it up to make it look like it's real. The harder they fall is so badly made that there are actually not one, but several shots in the movie where you actually, they forget to turn around the facade. And instead of seeing this side of this old Western building on the street, you see this side as clear as day. They've got this side facing it. And you even totally see the facades and you're like, oh my, first of all, that's not what makes the movie bad. That's just a, what's the word I'm looking for? That's just a symptom 
That's just a, a repercussion of how badly made this movie is. It is the worst movie of the year as long as Thunder Force. But it's so bad that even when they're shooting it, they forgot. And even in editing, they did, nobody stopped and went, oh, crap, we see the facade in the background. Oh, crap, we see it again in another shot. And they never even took it out. It's just kind of crazy. Anyway, uh, sorry, just went off on that for a second. But anyway, other than that, Call Obsidian, no. I, I personally don't really usually have sets, even if they look familiar from other things. I never personally have that take me out of the film, but that's just me. All right, next up, we got Luke1234 writes, uh, when Tom Holland's Spider-Man goes into the Sony-verse, do you think Sony will or even should they recast Spider-Man, considering the, the more films Tom signs up for, the higher his salary will increase? Oh, I totally believe, listen, this is what I think. And we're just talking one fan to another. This is just one fan to another. Just me telling you what I think. I think a deal's already done. I already think they've got the next five film contract. I think Sony already has like the next five film contract for Tom Holland already in place. I don't know that. That's just you and me as a fan shooting the shit and, and giving some opinions. Uh, I personally think they probably already got a deal done. I think they got a deal done. I think he's going to be spy. I think whether Spider-Man stays in the MCU or whether he does what I think he's going to do, slide over into the Sony Spider-Verse, I think it's going to be Tom Holland for the next number of years. Uh, either way, whether he stays in the MCU, which there is a very strong possibility he does, or whether he goes over into the Sony-Verse, which is what I think he's going to do, either way, I think it's going to be Tom Holland. All right, uh, good question though, Luke. One Next up, Soul Brother Mac writes, Hey, John, I saw the Morbius trailer, and to be honest, all the various references made things a bit confusing. Really? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, what universe is Morbius in? Venom or MCU? He's in the Venomverse. That, I mean, that. where is he starting? Venomverse, that is clear. Definitely not in the MCU. Uh, how can he be in the MCU and reference Venom, who just arrived there? Uh, these are confusing times. Yeah, but here's the fun thing. To the average movie fan watching a Morbius trailer, it's not going to be confusing at all. Because they're not going to worry about, wait a minute, that's the Michael Keaton from the MCU. And wait a minute, that that's the Daily Bugle newspaper thing that was in this. And wait a minute, that Oscorp logo was from... The average film fan watching these trailers is not going to feel that or feel that confusion. But for those of us who are looking for all these little details, for those of us who are looking for this crap, uh, for us... It, it might appear a little bit confusing. Wait a minute. So there's the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man reference. There's the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man reference. Obviously the, the Venom one, everything. There's no real MCU kind of hint out there. But, but yeah, I think the starting square on the game board is the Venom universe. That's the starting square. Now, what else gets incorporated into it? What other madness starts to affect it and how other things may mix up? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see in the movie. But for me, I think it's clear. I think it's clear that the starting square is the Venomverse. We'll see what happens from there. So I'm not sure. All right. Next up, uh, we've got, that was Soul Brother. Next, we've got um, Jack Lumbers who writes, let me rephrase. When I said overextended, I don't mean the MCU being overstuffed with characters. That's normally what I mean. But anyway, I mean the quality of the movie dropping. Before Shang-Chi came out, you said that you haven't loved an MCU project since WandaVision. True. Uh, you were worrying that the MCU slash Kevin Feige was producing too much content and that the quality was suffering because of that. So after seeing The Eternals, did you worry about the MCU's movie quality dropping resume that it was before Shang-Chi? Okay, 
Thank you for rephrasing that, Jack Lumbers. That makes a lot more sense to me now. And so, yeah, so for those of you who don't know what Jack is talking about, prior to Eternals coming out, hell, even prior to Shang-Chi coming out, I had expressed, it was after I saw Black Widow, and no, it was after I saw Loki, I think. Anyway, I expressed that I'm a little bit concerned. Now, I've said for a long time, I'm getting concerned that Marvel is cranking out too much content. You're stretching yourself a little thin. As Bilbo Baggins said in Lord of the Rings, A Fellowship of the, of the Ring, I feel thin, Gandalf, like butter spread over too much bread. That's what I worry about the MCU. Now, I, I'm not asking them for them to go to back to one movie a year. That's not what I'm saying. But we have gone from a couple of movies a year to like four movies a year, plus five streaming shows, plus whatever else, right? And I loved WandaVision. Loved it. Loved, 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 loved it. But after WandaVision, something funny happened that I've never had happen to me before. I have not loved everything the MCU's ever done. Like, obviously, I don't love Iron Man 2, don't love Thor 2. There are things that, and then the Marvel extended stuff, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is shit, uh, a bunch of other stuff. But for the first time ever, I went three projects in a row that I didn't love. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow. I liked all of them. I did. I mean, in a thumbs up or thumbs down world, I, I give thumbs up to all of them. Like, I like all of them, but I didn't love any of them. I liked it. Good stuff. Glad I watched it. Look forward to more, but I didn't love it. The way I loved Winter Soldier or the way I loved Avengers, or the way I loved Endgame or the way I loved, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or the way I loved it just it was three projects in a row that I'm like, okay, good, but you know, not really up to the MCU standards. Then another one, okay, good, but not great, not up to the MCU standards. Three in a row. Now then Shang-Chi thankfully came and I fell in love with Shang-Chi. Fell in love with Shang-Chi. And now Eternals, a movie that there had been whispers, and I told you guys, I heard from people inside Disney saying, you know, around Disney, they're kind of thinking this might be the best movie Marvel's ever made. Cool. And we're all excited for it, and I watch it, and I, I like it. I, I like it quite a bit. I'm going to go see it for a fourth time tonight. But hell, not only is Eternals not the best film Marvel's ever made, it's not even the best film Marvel put out this year. I mean, that's still Shang-Chi. So we're now, that's four out of the five last MCU projects that I have not, like, really loved. Like all of them. Love Shang-Chi. But four out of the five last MCU projects I've not, like, been crazy in love with. And I'm not, that's, I'm not used to that. And I cannot help but believe that this has something to do with Marvel overextending itself doing too much. I, I can't help. Kevin Feige can only do so much at once. And yeah, I am a little worried about it. As of right now, I'm st like, I still haven't, they still didn't put out anything in the last five projects that I disliked. But again, this is unfamiliar territory for me as an MCU fan. So it, it doesn't have with them overextending themselves. Well, listen, we've got a number of other things coming. I mean, Spider-Man, I think it's going to be fantastic. I think Spider-Man be fantastic no matter what. But, you know, once we get She-Hulk, once we get Ms. Marvel, once we get Moon Knight, once we get Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, 
are we going to see awesome, 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 awesome? Or are we going to continue to see, hey, that was good. Not super in love with it, but that was good. Is that going to continue? And I do worry a little. I'm not saying this is the downfall of Marvel. That's not that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is I am concerned that I'm seeing a pattern of as they increase the volume of how much content they produce every year, I am personally fear, feeling we're seeing a little bit of a dip in their overall quality. Still good, but I don't know. But look, it's too small of a sample size. We'll see, but I am worried about it. I'm a little worried about it, so we'll see what happens. Thanks for clarifying that, Jack Lumbers. All right, next up. Uh, anonymous viewer writes, so like you, I believe No Way Home is Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU, but I'm a little worried how fans will take it. Do you think many fans will leave the theater with a bitter taste in their mouth? How do you see the audience reaction happening? Thanks. Um, I I think it goes back to the same age-old adage, Anonymous, winning cures everything. If the movie's awesome, the vast majority of the movie-going audience won't mind at all. There will still be some of those in our very small little percentage circles that follow every little detail about that. Just going, I don't want Spider-Man to go back to Sony. There will be some of that for sure. But winning cures everything. If the movie is awesome, that's all that's really going to matter. And quite frankly, 90% of the audience, maybe 85% of the audience, don't care whether Spider-Man's in Sony or the MCU or whatever. Uh, it's, it's those of us in these circles, those of us who watch shows like the John Campion show, that we are really very aware about which cinematic universe does this story take place in. I mean, obviously we get very excited about that stuff, right? But, you know, my mom, who as I think is a big movie fan, but I think is a great representation of like the average movie going on is, my mom doesn't care whether the next Spider-Man movie is brought to you by Sony or brought to you by the MCU. All she cares at the end of the day is does she go in and have a kick-ass time watching a great movie. Spider-Man 2 is not a Marvel-made movie, but still the best Marvel, still the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is not a Marvel-made movie, but it's, if not the best Spider-Man movie ever made, it's at least the second best Spider-Man movie ever made. Uh, no Way or uh, Homecoming is a great Spider-Man movie. It doesn't matter that it's not made by Sony or the same company that made Into the Spider-Verse. So I think what we sometimes in these circles, we, and I'm guilty of this too, this guy right here is guilty of this too, I am. What we as fans sometimes get guilty of is having tunnel vision. We hang out in these circles and we think that's the way the world sees things. We think the whole world see, sees things the way our little tunnel sees things. And that's just not the case. So... <clears throat> Will there be some people who go, I don't want Spider-Man to go to Sony. And if he doesn't go to Sony, if it shows that he's staying in the MCU, I'm sure there will be some babies on the other side that goes, I'm tired of Spider-Man being in the MCU. I want to see him do something different in Sony. Will there be some of that regardless? Yes. But I don't think it's going to be a big deal. If, this is a big if, damn it. Where's my Zevia? I forgot to bring in my spare Zevia thing. If, and this is a big if, if the movie is great, because winning cures everything. That will be the true judge, the true uh, bar, if you will, 
about whether or not the audiences leave the theater with a sour taste in their mouth or they leave with a big smile on their face. It's all going to be about is the movie great for most people. And for some people, like for the minority people, people in our circles, sometimes people like me might go, yeah, they didn't do what I wanted them to do with Spider-Man, so I don't like it. I mean, there's going to be some of that. There's going to be some of that. But I don't think it'll be the big thing. The big thing is, is the movie going to be great? And that's uh, no pressure, John Watts. No pressure. All right. By the way, Nick Soto sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Nick. And Chris uh, Leonardo sends in like a $20 Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that, man, very much. All right. Uh, next up, uh, what was that? That was anonymous. Uh, we go, you know what guys, we, will you guys indulge me for a minute? Would, would you guys mind terribly much indulging me for like, like literally one minute? What happens is here's what happens when the show starts, I go out, fill my drink and I bring in a spare can of Zevia, put it in my little desktop fridge right here. So it's there when I need my second drink after we get past hour one of the show. And I forgot to bring in my spare drink. Will you guys indulge me for like 60 seconds as I go and retop up my drink. Please forgive me. Indulge me. Don't go anywhere. Stay in your seats. Talk amongst yourselves. Maybe use this opportunity to run and use the bathroom. I don't know. But don't go anywhere, guys. We will be right back. All right. And we are back. Thank you guys for your patience and indulgence as I uh, went there to refill my drink. Mmm. Delicious Zevia Cola. Zevia. Sponsor me, you insufferably stubborn, cheap sons of bitches. Anyway, okay, let's get back over to the questions now, shall we? Okay, um, uh, that was anonymous. Next time we got uh, uh, Shuvo Ramen writes, I was watching the making of Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, and I noticed the co-producer, Brian Chapek, son of Bob Chapek. Yeah, he's actually been around Marvel for a little bit now, Brian Chapek, uh, who apparently has been mentored by Kevin Feige. Is this nepotism at play and Bob Chapek installing his son to take on Marvel from Feige eventually? Oh, my God. Okay, so first of all, uh, big shout out to Virtuoso Z who sends in a super chat badge in the live chat, as does our friend Peter Cunnington. Thank you guys for that very much. Um, Look, nepotism, bad, sure. But just because you're related to somebody should not disqualify you from having an opportunity, right? So I choose to believe that this dude, Brian Chapek, son of Bob Chapek, CEO of Disney, um, would it help that he's his dad's in the company? Sure, but I'm going to choose to believe that this is somebody that has got some skill and he's working in it. It's in the family, you know, working in the same business as his other family. I'm okay with that. That I'm all okay with. I, I really am. I don't mind the idea of a parent trying to, you know, move some of the chess pieces around a board to give their kid an opportunity. I'm not totally against that. It can be pushed too far and all that kind of stuff. But if Brian, if Kevin Feige leaves, and you guys know, I think in the next few years, Kevin Feige is going to move on and conquer the next mountain, whatever that is. If all of a sudden Bob Chapek installs Brian Chapek, instead of the other three or four executives under Kevin Feige right now who are clearly in line for that throne, that would scream nepotism. That would scream nepotism. Because there's no way, like, there there are two people in particular under Kevin Feige right now who should absolutely, one of the two of them, should be the next in line 
to be the head of the MCU, to be the head of Marvel Studios. <clears throat> and it absolutely should be that. If all of a sudden Brian Chapek became that after Kevin Feige left, oh, there's going to be, there's going to be, oh, the, the townsfolk are going to go up to Dr. Frankenstein's castle, or in this case, the mouse house, with their pitchforks and torches ready to burn things down. Yeah, that would be unacceptable. That would be unacceptable. All right, next up, Glenn writes, Hi, John. Hello, Glenn. Um, we have heard nothing for a while about Sony's Silk series. That's not true. A little bit earlier this year, we heard it was going to start shooting sometime this calendar year. And that was only a few months ago that we heard that. So we have heard some stuff. Anyway, could they have abandoned Amazon as the distributor? Uh, would it be in Sony and Disney's interest to include TV shows for Disney Plus as a part of the next contract so Silk can cross universes? I, I Honestly, I think that point is all moot because I do believe that project is still on track. To the best of my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, Silk is still on track, so I don't think there's anything to worry about there. All right, next up, Dangerous D writes, um, Hey, John, there's news that the Green Lantern series on HBO Max will have a dark tone. This concerns me. DC shows have a bad track record for dark-themed shows. Arrow was the only DC show that was successfully dark-themed series, and it really wasn't that dark at all. Uh, do you think that this is the right move? Here's what I think. Dark or not dark is completely irrelevant. Making a show light does not mean the, the show or movie is going to be good. Making the show dark does not mean the show is going to be good or bad. It's irrelevant. It's just one of the tools. The question becomes, do you make a good light show or do you make a good dark show? It really makes no difference. It, whether it's light or dark makes no difference. You got to just make it that whatever is most appropriate to the property you're dealing with. And if the show they're writing works best as a darker tone, then go darker tone. If the show they're, they're writing works best as a lighter tone, go lighter tone. That's the way to do it. Light or dark in and of themselves are, do not give any inherent benefit or drawback in my opinion. So that's kind of my take on that. All right, next up. Uh, toss my solid with ranch writes John. So unpopular opinion. One of the, uh, trippiest out there movies I've seen this year was a 24's green Knight. I didn't get the movie at all and had to watch YouTube videos, a YouTube video or two just to understand the plot. Is this a problem with the movie or am I just dumb? No, no, no. Listen, even movies like Green Knight and, listen, A24 does some trippy stuff. I mean, hell, just look at Lamb that's out there right now. Move, we are all programmed differently, and all different types of movies hit us in different ways. That means you're going to come across some movies that just go over your head. But there are going to be other movies that you watch that make total perfect sense to you but it's going to go over somebody else's head. It just all depends on how we're individually wired. No, you watching out, walking out of a piece of art and like feeling you didn't get it, that is no commentary on your intelligence. It's like standing in front of a piece of art in a, in a museum or in an art gallery and it's a blue squiggly line with a plaid-colored box, a tree and then three flying giraffes going through another yellow squiggly line and looking at that and going, I, I don't get this. It, it's not because you're not intelligent enough to get it. It's because the way you're wired as an individual, whatever the way, the, whatever message it is the artist is trying to communicate is not hitting with you on that wavelength. 
Whereas another person could walk and say, oh, he's comment he's commentating on the importance of, of animals in the natural world order. Okay, that's what they got out of it. But it's, it's again, it's we all in, experience these things subjectively. So no, it's not a commentary on you at all. All right, next up. Uh, Andy Hong writes, uh, Dominic Tretto's top five favorite shows. Number five, Family Matters. Number four, The Addams Family. Uh, number three, Family Feud. Number two, Modern Family. Number one, The Family Guy. Uh, all of which is absolutely true. You're right about all those, Andy. And he also writes, uh, Flat Earther, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Uh, by the way, can I just mention, there are ideas in this world that are not my ideas and that I do not ascribe to, but I go, okay, you, I can see how you think that. I mean, obviously I don't, but all right, you, you, you can think that. That's fine. How is, how are flat earthers real things? I, that, I mean, and if that offends anybody that I just said that, I don't mean to offend. I'm just saying, I, how are these real things? Anyway, that's just me. All right, uh, next, next up. Uh, we've got Andy Hong also writes one of two. The people who complain that Hollywood has run out of ideas, uh, are there many of them or are they a vocal minority? If it's the former, then they're mainly all talk. Antlers, Last Night in Soho, The French Dispatch were released last weekend and they're all original movies and none of them are doing well at the box office. <clears throat> it's such a shame because it's speaking volumes to the film industry that original movies aren't worth producing. Last Night in Soho and Antlers were solid films to me. This is an argument, Andy, that I have been making for probably over 10 years in this business. I remember what I used to do quite a bit, both in my movie blog days and in the my AMC days. Inevitably, like when you're talking about a sequel coming up, somebody, will, somebody who thinks they're making themselves look smart going, well, Hollywood just doesn't know how to do original film anymore. No, there's no originality in Hollywood. Everything is sequel and reboots. And I remember when people come out like that, I'd say, okay, okay, let's follow that. Let's go there for a second. And what I would bring up is like the, the next three months release schedule. And we'd go through it, and it always it would be original film, original film, original film, sequel, original film, remake, original film, original film, original film, adaptation, original film, original film, original film, original film, sequel. Okay, 85% of the movies that are coming out are original films. I know it feels like when we talk about sequels or remakes, it feels feels like that's all they're making because we talk about those ones a lot because we recognize the IP. But meanwhile, dude, you're right. We got antlers. Just right now, we've got antlers. We've got the French Dispatch. We've got Last Night in Soho. I mean, that that's these are all just films that just came out and nobody goes to support them. Don't complain that Hollywood doesn't make original films. The fact is Hollywood makes more original films today than at any other time in cinematic history. And you don't go support them. And I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself as well. I haven't seen Last Night in Soho yet, so I'm partially to blame too. But don't complain that Hollywood isn't making original films. They're making an ass load of, of original films. Y'all just ain't going to see them. And then think you make yourself look smart by going, oh yes, well, Hollywood just doesn't get it. Hollywood just doesn't make original film anymore. It's like, shut up. Yes, they do. You're just not going to go see them. 
And that's a fake accent, by the way. Anyway, um, next up, uh, Shuvo, good Canadian kid writes, no time to die uh, is a bit of yesterday's news. However, I want to talk about how disappointing it was. I could, I could have been, it could have been the editing, but it lacked the momentum and felt choppy. Uh, I was thinking how a Mission Impossible movies are fun while being bored by No Time to Die. Hey, listen, and that's how the film hits you, man. Like, I did not have the same experience as you did. I really enjoyed No Time to Die. I thought it was really good. I didn't think it was as good as Skyfall or Casino Royale. Like, to me, the Daniel Craig era Bond films are in this order. Casino Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, and then down here comes, like, Quantum of Solace and Spectre. Um, But to me, No Time to Die is in that upper part. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a very good ending for Daniel Craig's Bond thing. But again, it's subjective and you watched it. You didn't have the same experience. I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on it. All right, next up. Uh, Christian uh, sends in like a $20 tip. Thank you, Christian, for supporting our channel on this on this level, man. Uh, next up, one of two. So, it's been over two years since I've been to a theater. I just came back from watching Dune. I absolutely loved it. However, I had one huge issue. The movie had over 30 minutes of trailers and commercials. Dude, you're preaching to the choir. I don't mind seeing the Batman and Eternals um, trailers. I also didn't mind seeing King Richard. Yay, Aaron. Yeah, You see Aaron in the King Richard trailer. But did I really need to see the three or four trailers plus the AMC marketing spots and the soda commercials? I have to get up at 4 a.m. to get ready for work. So that 30 to 40 minutes is a big deal. Listen, you guys know I've been complaining for a long time long time about how many trailers they play before. I love trailers. I made an entire documentary about trailers. I love trailers. But the notion of having 20, 25, 30 minutes of commercials, of trailers, before a movie starts is absolutely asinine. It's absolutely asinine. It's got to stop. Because you are lessening the theater-going experience for the average filmgoer. Right now, movie theaters need to be making a better movie-going experience for filmgoers. And that means play four or five trailers and then start the damn movie. But what I really don't get is on top of all those trailers now, like at an AMC, and the AMC theaters are my movie theater-going choice. I go to AMC theaters. I like AMC theaters. That's where I go for my movies when I have a choice. But now, on top of all these trailers, have you guys noticed this? They play like three or four AMC commercials. Like, I'm not kidding. I was like, oh, yay. We're through 27 minutes of trailers. Good. Now the movie can start. Oh, no, wait. We've got another 30-second AMC theaters celebrating 100 years, which you should celebrate being a company for 100 years. I get that. That's fine. Celebrating 100 years. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. AMC. Yay. Okay, good. Now the commercial's done. Great. Now are we can start the movie? No, no, no. No, no. Not going to start the movie now. Now we got to show you another AMC commercial for our soda. Do, do, do. As these big soda machines come in and people sitting down, smiling in their seats with a big bag of popcorn and blah, blah. Hey, get your concessions and blah. Do, 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 do. Like, okay. And then it's done. Great, now are we going to start the movie? No, no, wait. We've got a brand new AMC commercial for you. If you guys have been at AMC theaters lately, you know the one I'm talking about, right? 
with uh, freaking, why am I freezing on the actress's name? Tom Cruise's ex-wife. What's her name again? Why am I freezing on it? One of the greatest actresses in the world. I don't know. I'm freezing on her name right now. Anyway, then comes another commercial where she walks in and she's like, Nicole Kidman, that's who it is. Uh, and and Sam uh, Kossos sends it in. So did Matthew. Uh, so did Red Comet. And so did Iron Wolf. So did Prospect. So yeah, Nicole Kidman. Have you guys seen that new commercial with Nicole Kidman? It's like, we come to the movies to experience magic. And she's walking through an empty movie theater and says, uh, you know, we want to be a part of the movie because here you are. It's like, wait a minute. Time out for a second. I am in an AMC movie theater right now. Right now, as we speak, as I'm watching this trailer, I am in an AMC movie theater. I got in my car and I drove to the AMC movie theater. I went up to the AMC ticket thing, got my ticket. Although, let's be honest, all of us have our tickets on our phones now. But what a, I went up to the kid who works for AMC wearing an AMC shirt who scanned in my barcode. I then went online at the AMC concession stand, got some delicious popcorn, soaked it in butter because popcorn is nothing but a butter delivery device. Got my soda. I went into the AMC theater auditorium and I sat down. I'm here. I'm in AMC. Why are you fucking showing me an AMC commercial? I'm here. What the fuck do you want? It's like, I, I just recently got, a, got an Apple Watch, right? I, I've been using my uh, Samsung. I still think I prefer my Samsung smartwatch, but I, I just got the Apple Watch to use with the with the iPhone because I guess I got to try these things. And it works for Apple. But anyway, so, like, I, I bought it. This To me, this makes as much sense as slapping on my, my, my Apple Watch and the first thing it puts up, you should buy an Apple Watch today. I, I, I did it. You don't, have to, you don't have to convince me to get an Apple Watch. I got it. It's here. It's on my wrist. It's right here. Here it is. Buy an Apple Watch. I got one. You should come to AMC theaters. I'm sitting in the auditorium right fucking now. Right now. Here I am. Do you have to waste 45 more seconds on top of the 28 minutes that have already gone by since the advertised showtime was supposed to start? Said movie, 7 o'clock. It's now almost 7.32, and I'm still sitting here, and Nicole Kidman is telling me to go to a place that I'm already at. Can somebody explain the logic of that to me? Can somebody explain to me it's a good commercial, too, by the way. I'm not taken away from it. It's a very good commercial. But Nicole Kidman is yelling in my face. Let's, let's be honest. I would pay money to have Nicole Kidman yell in my face. But Nicole Kidman's up there speaking through her pie hole at me, telling me to go somewhere that I'm already at. How is this improving my movie-going experience? It's not. It's dumb. Anyway, sorry. Did I go off on a rant? I'm sorry. Let's let's go. Let's go back. But Christian, you're preaching to the choir, dude. You're preaching to the choir. All right. Next up, BK Dan writes, John, uh, not entertainment related, but I wanted to say I took your advice about doing what motivates you and got off my tail and finished that book I've been working on. Good for you, man. That is not easy. It's finally live on my Amazon store. Lots of fun doing it. Just wanted to say thank you. Listen, everybody says I'm going to write a book. 
but nobody gets off their ass and actually does it and even fewer see it through to completion. So BK Dan, that is a huge accomplishment for you, dude. Celebrate that. Seriously. I remember when I did mine, it was such a huge, it's a, it's a big sense of accomplishment and you should enjoy that, man. Cause that is awesome that you did that. Okay. Uh, next up, we got Ryan Loner writes. So Morbius is now explicitly in the same universe as Venom. Yes. But the MCU Vulture is also there. We don't know that that's the MCU Vulture. It might be that universe's version of the same guy. I mean, who knows? Yes, no, don't know. Uh, is also there. And the Oscorp building is from The Amazing Spider-Man. And Tyrese Gibson and the studio are fighting about the setting. And oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. Again, just like somebody else was saying earlier, Ryan, for those of us who are in this little tunnel, it looks extremely confusing. But I think to the average film fan who just watched that trailer for the first time, they probably just thought it looked really cool and it doesn't confuse them at all. We'll see. We'll see what's, what it is once we actually get a chance to see uh, see the uh, trailer. By the way, DeWan sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, DeWan. I appreciate that, man. All right. Zevia writes, and I'm drinking their soda right now. Hi, John. I heard you talk about Soggy Hass Plus on your recent show. Thanks for promoting it. I think we will sponsor them instead. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, it's funny. I just saw recently they were sponsoring another YouTube, no, a TikToker. I actually saw Zevi was sponsoring a TikToker. I guarantee you that jerk, and I'm sure they're a wonderful person. I don't even know who it is. I guarantee you that jerk has not promoted this product nearly as much as I have. What you doing, Zevia? Bunch of assholes. <laughs> I do like the drink. Anyway, Guy Fox JLT writes, hey, John. <clears throat> Suggestion. Can you please do your After Dark shows, comic books, Star Wars, free, and talk about other topics, please? Uh, comic book movies, predom uh, predominant every show, and sometimes you answer the same questions. I'm sorry I'm bothering you. I'm a huge fan. No, listen. Here's the thing. Guy, I, I get it because they're big topics, but it's kind of like people saying that Hollywood doesn't do original films. Let me bring up my show notes for today. Let me bring up today's show notes. Here were, we did, um, we did seven topics today. We did seven topics today. We did, um, where'd it go? Okay, so we did Eternals opening box office internationally. That is a comic book one. And we did just talk about Spider-Man's runtime. That's two. But on top of that, so that's two of those. On top of that, we talked about Baby Driver 2. We talked about Avatar The Last Airbender. We talked about uh, an upcoming Snow White film. We talked about uh, gun, uh, gun, guns not being on set in Dwayne Johnson's movies. We talked about the Sing 2 trailer. So yeah, we, we did have those two topics, but we had five that weren't. We had five that weren't. We talk about a lot of things on this show and are comic book movies topics usually included in that big mash of topics that we do? Absolutely. Comic book movies are the single largest genre in the world of film. I don't know how we can do a show and have five, six, seven topics and not have one of those as a topic. It's, it's like watching a sports show and them not talking about the NFL. It's like the NFL is the biggest sports thing in the world. Well, we'll talk in the United States. The NFL is the biggest thing in this market. It's the biggest thing. You can't do, you know, a, a, a sports show wrap-up 
at the end and not talk about stories going on in the NFL as well. Yes, you talk about baseball, and yes, you talk about basketball, and yes, you talk about hockey, and yes, you talk about soccer, and you talk about whatever else is going on too, but you can't not talk about what is also going on in the NFL if you're a serious sports show. And here's the other thing. With After Dark, which we are going to do in After Dark, uh, the After Darks are coming back. I've just been very, very busy having to do companion videos, but After Darks are coming back. Remember, I don't decide what we talk about in After Dark. After Dark is whatever you guys want to talk about. That That's what After Dark is about. So I appreciate you writing in, Guy, but I would say, you know, we talk about a lot. Today's show is a great example. Yeah, we did have a comic book sub- subject because it's the biggest genre in the world. These are the biggest movies in the world. This is They're the biggest stories in the world of film fandom. But we also talked about a lot of other stuff, too. So that's that's what I would say to that. Anyway, thanks for writing in your thoughts, man. I really do appreciate that. Okay, next up. Jack Lumbers writes, at this point with weirdly, uh, let me try this again. At this point with weirdly curious about what is the fuss about the Eternals. Yes, the Rotten Tomatoes score may have lower, lowered my expectations, but it's still, but it only shifts some of my excitement to curiosity. Yeah, hearing that from a lot of people too. I've been hearing a lot of people saying, hey, you know what? The mediocre reviews, this could be the next Man of Steel because, you know, that's a movie that's very near and dear to my heart is Man of Steel. Still got your back, Henry. Still got your back, buddy. Um, I love Man of Steel, but it's it's divided over the critic ratings and stuff like that, but a lot of people enjoy it. So I've heard a lot of people saying, okay, you know what? The, the middling reviews have only just made me more interested and curious about the movie. Yeah, so here's hoping that's the case. I hope you like it. I do, but I, I don't know if you will, but I hope you do. All right, next up, we got Tribal Chief and Tribal Chief writes, uh, what was the better trailer, Morbius or Uncharted? I personally think Morbius was. I like the Uncharted trailer, but I, I feel like the Morbius one moved the needle a little bit more. In my opinion, Morbius, that trailer made me kind of excited for it when beforehand I had close to zero interest for it. Uncharted was okay, but due to video game movie track records, I still have my reservations. I get that. I, I feel you on that one, brother. I feel you. But I agree. I think the I think there were both good trailers. I did quite enjoy the Uncharted trailer a lot, but I thought the Morbius trailer was like a damn good trailer. So I would say the Morbius one. All right, Yusuf Alvi writes, UFC 268, oh my God, this card is stacked. Is almost upon us. What a card. Uh, Gaethje versus Chandler is going to be amazing, and I have Gaethje winning by Vicious KO. And call me crazy, I think Usman tops Colby even earlier. He's just gotten so much better every time we see him. Don't forget about the Rose and Wave fight. I mean, that's going to be amazing too. But yes, uh, Karam Usman, who is now that now that um, Habib Nurmagomedov, the Eagle, has retired. Now that he's retired, I believe uh, Usman is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. I believe he is now officially ranked as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. I think, and and listen, Colby Covington, he's an asshole, but he's a great fighter. He is a great fighter. But yes, Usman's going to knock him out again. He's going to break his jaw again. He's he's going to do bad, bad things to him. And I agree. I think Gaethje wins the fight against Chandler, but it's going to be an awesome fight. It's going to be such a good card, man. All right, Yusuf also writes, uh, I noticed that Taika Waititi has been accepting a lot of directing gigs lately with no mention of Star Wars. I can't help but be afraid that he might have left the project and we're not going to hear about it for a while. We haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, but listen, here's here's the thing. First of all, he did talk about his Star Wars project. I remember Rob and I discussed this a few months ago. He did talk about 
the progress of the Star Wars story that he's trying to put together. So it's still being worked on. But you also got to remember, a lot of the movies you see come out today have been gestating and being worked on for four, five, six years. I mean, I forget exactly. I mean, even just take something popular right now, like Squid Game. I think Squid Game has been like digesting and trying to get made for like a decade. It's just that we don't often hear about them before they're getting closer to actually being made or when they're actually being made. So I wouldn't read anything into that at all. I mean, we could not see the Taika Waititi Star Wars for another four years, and that wouldn't be unusual. It's just unusual that we hear about it so early in the process, but it's not unusual. Listen, it's not unusual for an idea to get made, to come up with, and then boom, two years later, a movie's out. But it's also not unusual at all that four years later, a movie comes out or five years later, a movie comes out or longer. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it. As far as I understand, because he was talking about it just a little while ago, I, we are going to get a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie, but it just may still might be further off. Like for all we know, they don't have the story quite where they want it to be yet. All right, next up. JJ the Sith Plane writes, John, uh, remember the end credits for Into the Spider-Verse? Yes, Spider-Man 2099 got a watch able to jump into different multiverses. I have a strong feeling he will somehow show up as an end credit to Spider-Man No Way Home, connecting the movie somehow, some way. I mean, I can totally see why you're saying that. I totally get why you're saying that. But I don't, I don't believe that at all. I mean, hey, anything's possible. Anything's possible. And I don't think you're nuts. But yeah, I don't uh, I don't see that happening at all. All right, Tribal Chief writes, and we'll make this the last one today, guys. Tribal Chief writes, one of two. While I like the Morbius trailer and the Venom films, I really hope Sony, do- Sony doesn't rush into building a Spider-Verse over making good films and build it organically like the MCU. In my opinion, they might have went too overboard with the Easter eggs in the trailer, especially if they take Spider-Man back after No Way Home. Just have a plan for what you're going to do with him and the Spider-Verse and make it cool. Don't throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Learn from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and the old DCEU, Star Wars, and Dark Universe. Here's I, I agree with you 100% Tribal Chief, but I would also say um, this. They've been planning whatever they're about to do with their Spider-Verse. They've been planning this for years. They've been planning this for years. I would go so far as to say they've been planning what they're going to do when their deal with Marvel is over for probably seven years or more. And at the very minimum, they've been planning what they're going to do for two years since they re-upped their deal with Marvel for such a short period of time. So if, and it's still an if, but if Sony does take back Spider-Man, which I think they're going to do, but we don't know yet, but I think they will. But if they do, their planning has been underway for minimum two years and probably longer than that. So if the new Spider-Man films under Sony stumble, it won't be from lack of prep time. They have been planning this for a long time. Whether it'll be good or bad, don't know. Will it be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man Awesome? Maybe. Will it be Spider-Man 3 or The Amazing Spider-Man 2 Terrible? Maybe. We don't know. But it won't have anything to do with lack of preparation or lack of planning. It might be a bad plan, but it won't be from a lack of planning. They've been working on this a long time. So 
We'll see how it goes. It could still go badly, but it won't be from a lack of planning. All right, guys, listen. There are still more questions to come from Dune, Where's My Car, uh, Jack Lumbers, uh, Sam Fisher, Rylan, and others. There's not too many left to go, but do not worry. We will get caught up on those on our next. Now, I don't know if we're going to be doing a companion video today. The only reason I say that is because of two things. Um, Ann and I are about to go pick up our first Tesla. Uh, Ann needed a new car, and... I, uh, cause her car, the car she's been driving is a 2009 and it's approaching 200,000 miles and you're starting to feel it in the car. So we need a new car and we decided a long time ago that the next car we buy will be an electric. So we were looking around, we looked at, uh, the, the bolt EUVs really like those by the way, but then they got all recalled. Uh, then we were looking at the Chevy Mach-E's, uh, the, the Mustang Mach-E's really liked it really did like the Mach-E, but the process and trying to deal with Ford was a nightmare. And so we weren't going to do Tesla, but we were so frustrated looking for other cars. We were like, well, let's go look at a Tesla. And we did. And we test drove it. And you know me, I'm a big tech head. All the bells and whistles in it. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And we bought a Tesla. We bought a Tesla Model Y. Uh, and we're going to go, after I'm done the show today, we're going to go pick it up. So, We've got to go, first I got to go to the bank to get the, the money to pay for, to buy the car. Um, then we got to go to the Tesla because imagine that my debit card doesn't allow me to make a purchase with the cost of a Tesla Model Y. I actually, I have to go to the bank and get like a, what is it? A, a cash order or a, a, what is that check called? A bank draft, whatever it's called. I got to go get that from the bank, go to Tesla, buy the car, and then it's going to be about four in the afternoon and Ann and I are going to go see a six o'clock of eternal. So I'm not sure if we're going to have a companion video today. If we don't, we'll just pick right up where we left off here on the questions and uh cashier's check. Is that what it is? People are saying cashier's check. Awesome. Cashier's check. That's what I'm going to get. I'm going to go get a cashier's check um, and uh, buy the car. And then we're going to go see eternal. So maybe we'll do a companion video later tonight, but I'm not hundred percent sure if we don't, we'll just pick up where we left off with the questions on tomorrow's show. Anyway, that'll do it guys for today's installment of the John Campia show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big thank you to all you guys who sent in your thoughts and opinions on the Super Chat there and sent in Super Chat badges. And big thank you to all you guys who sent in the comments and the, the live questions that we read off. Number one, because you all gave us great fun things to talk about. And number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campia Show, thank you guys very much for your support. All right, guys, don't forget to do the four main things, my friends. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.